0: Yeah, and I mean, when I run in the mountains, uh, like when I, before this race, I really, I never really brought any fuel or anything. It's not a problem for me to run like for five or six hours, uh, just on water. Uh, I mean, I get tired, but it's, it doesn't matter because I'm not competing or I don't have to run fast anyway. Uh, So it was a little bit different uh, to run a race. So I i just brought like 10 snickers and thought that would be like perfect um but then uh, like in the first the first with the first snickers i realized well this shoeing thing while running this is not it's not my thing and um it was a lot of things that well i realized maybe you should try your backpack before and uh, yeah
1: that my friend was anna carlson and this is the inspirational runners podcast Hey everyone, hope everyone is keeping well during this crazy time. My name's Robbie Marsh and I'm your host, so welcome to the podcast. We have another superb episode for those that follow the Backyard Ultra. Anna was the last female athlete to DNF in the quarantine backyard a few weeks ago, stealing the hearts of many as she ran loops around a frozen lake in Sweden, north of the Arctic Circle. She's amazingly only been ultra running since 2017 but managed 4th place in UTMB's TDS last year and competed in Biggs last October which is seen as a pathway into the Barclay Marathon which was unfortunately cancelled this year. Anna really hit the limelight during the quarantine backyard but I decided to go a little deeper in this episode as we're witnessing the birth of an ultra runner. Before we start, I'd just like to give a quick mention to the sponsors of the podcast. We run Wild Northern Ireland. As, like everywhere else on the planet, all races have been postponed or cancelled. But we will get back to you as soon as possible once we start to see the global recovery from this pandemic. It's with great pleasure I give you Anna Carlson.
0: Good, how are you?
1: Brilliant. I only have to see myself um, on the screen and thought, geez, I look bad. Like, I need to get outside more. <laughs> <laughs>
0: no, I just got the inside. Actually, it's too it's too nice weather to be uh, to be indoors.
1: Yeah, what's the weather like there at the minute?
0: Um, it's quite warm. It's uh, it's been windy like all winter, so it's it's windy today as well. But otherwise, it's actually plus degrees. So it's uh, it's becoming spring.
1: Yeah, what do you mean by warm? Plus degrees, like <laughs> what does that mean I'm- to you?
0: Around plus one or like zero to <laughs> zero degrees
1: <laughs> it's so warm there. I mean it... I'm surprised you haven't got the suntan lotion on
0: it's sunny, so it's not too bad
1: yeah, it's twenty degrees here at the minute in Ireland, so oh, <laughs> we... but it's raining, right? No, 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 the sun's out. there's no clouds in the sky anymore, there's no pollution, there's no nothing. everybody's happy, and everybody's locked inside. That's why there's no rain because everybody's locked yeah, that's inside
0: cool, actually. But you are—are are you allowed to go outside? Like,
1: yeah, uh, yeah. No, or... we are, we are allowed to go outside. Um, hopefully, I get this right, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or I've been breaking the rules. But I think um, we're allowed to exercise. I think once a day. Um, we're meant to stay around two kilometers from your home. Okay. Um, yeah. I'm lucky where I, I live, sort of in between the sea and the mountains, so it's roughly two kilometers to. Either of them, like, um, but yeah, it's not too bad for us yet. Um, that might change soon, yeah. Yeah. Um, depending on what goes on, like, um, crazy times though.
0: Yeah, definitely. Like, it's the same in Sweden. We are, we are quite lucky. Everyone is complaining that their races are cancelled, but I mean, compared to other other countries, we are still allowed to go outdoors. We can still be like ten people. So it's, I think, actually, for me right now it's it doesn't change that much
1: yeah you don't have much you wouldn't have much public transport there would you
0: uh in Obisko, we have nothing it's just about 100 people living here uh so basically we have a lot of tourists at this time but right now it's it's very quiet since no one make it here okay uh so i mean we have a train coming once a day um and we have some like i mean we have one road (laughs) So we have uh, uh, cars coming from uh, from the closest uh, city, uh, but otherwise it's no traffic at all because also we are very close to Norway and the border is closed. So no Norwegians are coming here at the moment.
1: So where exactly are you? Because it's north of the Arctic Circle, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it is. It's just um, I mean, it's uh, just about 40 kilometers beneath the border to Norway. So basically, as far up in Sweden as you can get.
1: Yeah, because your pictures that you were posting on the backyard were epic. Like you know, it just looked like runner's paradise, but it also looked very, very cold. I was I was expecting yeah. to see you in a in a log cabin here.
0: No, I'm <laughs> I'm uh, at my friend's uh, house or my or Roger's my, the one that was my crew. Uh, so it's uh, I just got away from the dogs and everyone because they are a little bit bored right now. So they will probably harass me if i was uh, not hiding
1: <laughs> yeah well as usual i don't have much prep done so you're gonna have to help me so it's not about me anyway so i'm not the one that has to do all the talking which is good but what i've written down here is anna carlson um, birth of an ultra runner that, that should be the title of your book by the way in years to come oh. <laughs> um so yeah
0: birth is 34
1: <laughs> <laughs> but the social the social sort of distancing that we're having to do um, is you know it's made runners be very very creative i had a mate last weekend he ran a marathon in his drive pushing a wheelbarrow he raised five thousand pound for the nhs which was really good but then we had a guy running around a rug in his living room who ran 100 miles (laughs) No, that's crazy he never even hoovered it like there's no way i would have got away with running 100 miles around the the rug without taking out a hoover the maddest one i seen um, a couple of days ago was a guy running a marathon in a skip I mean
0: I, I actually I wonder what I would do if I was if, if I was not able to go outside I would probably get crazy but I don't I'm not, I'm not sure I would get that crazy though
1: No but <laughs> It's all relative like some people might see running around loops on a frozen lake a bit crazy as well so you have a uh, bit you have a bit very, of guilt Compared
0: to running like that it's it's not crazy at all yeah,
1: no, <laughs> no definitely not like so the backyard right it was pretty amazing because they pulled that together in a couple of weeks' time. Like, So we had all these runners getting ready for big races across the world. And one by one, they started getting cancelled. And then people were sitting at home, had nothing to do. Um, and personal peak coaching sort of took the opportunity to create a backyard, a quarantine sort of, not virtual, but online backyard. And it just took off, like it hit a thousand runners, and it hit fifteen hundred runners, two thousand four hundred odd runners actually entered it. I had loads of friends entering it, and um, so we had fifty-six countries sort of came together. And see, just before we dive into that, which is what we're gonna do, um, yeah. What I really want to find out is who Anna Carlson is, because that's the big question mark. Because <laughs> I actually co- I contacted you before the actual event and asked. I just look, have to get you on the podcast. I earmarked you, actually, for winning the race.
0: Okay. Sorry to disappoint you. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, you definitely didn't disappoint. Um, but two thousand, i done pretty well, actually. You know, 2,400 runners to pick third out of that, especially with the names that were there. Um, but you came onto my radar in, obviously, the backyard last year. And I... When, I was interested to see the names on the list. So I, I googled a few people. So last year I knew you would, how well you'd done in TDS. And that's when I put like two and two together and got seven. But like you've, obviously you're obviously from Sweden. Yeah,
0: I am. Uh, so it's, uh, I guess I'm, uh, I have a lot of other like really good upper runners to look up to. Like Ida Nilsson and Mimi Kotka and Emily Forsberg, for example. Yeah. so it's uh compared to them i still feel very very small
1: <laughs> you're only at the start of a journey though so did you do any running or anything like that in school or did you have a background in sport in any way or form
0: i've played soccer since i was well six or seven years old or something like that and then i was doing horse riding and like basically a l- little bit of everything uh, so i've always been very active um like training Probably about six, seven times a week since I was 12 or 13 or something like that. And then, of course, I was doing a little bit of running too because, I mean, if you're a soccer player, you have to have to run a little bit. I didn't like it, though. I like to do like those short ses- sessions because I was quite fast, uh, but running longer than like three kilometers, I thought it was horrible.
1: Yeah. Uh,
0: but I think it was a good base um, anyway
1: you 're always out outdoors, you live in an absolutely beautiful place i 've posted a couple of times on Facebook this year. Does anyone know of any long endurance races where I can get some northern lights in because I just have this vision of doing like a twenty four hour race and coming through the middle of the night <coughs> and the northern lights just ripping the sky apart because you are in that territory aren 't you
0: yeah, yeah, yeah so that 's why actually why people come here uh, that 's the main reason uh, we have well four months, which is uh, people from all over the world coming here just to watch the Northern Lights. But I mean, we had Northern Lights for more than half a year. So actually, we are thinking about organizing a backyard here next year. That's why I why I tried to, tried to do it uh, out on the lake. And then I can say, I mean, you have Northern Lights guarantee uh, if you keep going long enough.
1: <laughs> I'm going to scribble that last question that I've got for you into the bin now. Because that's what I was going to ask you near the end was actually, you know, have you thought about doing a backyard event? Because it would be absolutely amazing under the northern lights.
0: Yeah, so this was actually, I mean, I could have chosen to run on another surface. I think this was actually my easiest option. Uh, but I wanted to see if we could do it out on the lake and how it worked and if we could actually get a decent course. Yeah. Um, and I think it worked out quite well. so definitely next year uh, we are we will set a date in the next couple of weeks I think and just go go out with it uh, because um, I think I mean maybe it's not gonna be any like lo- any records, not 68 hours or something like that because you are very dependent on on the weather. I was quite lucky this weekend um, because I thought maybe, I was going to be out like after twelve hours, uh, but it was sunny for most of the time. Um, but I think uh, it would probably attract people from all over the world. Not maybe not the best runners, but like the big mass, I guess, because it's it's a cool thing, yeah. and it's a really beautiful environment.
1: Yeah, without a doubt. Like like we have Guinness, so that's why people would come to Ireland and do a backyard. Yeah. <laughs> you've got you've got the Northern Lights, which is pretty cool, like. Like there's no chance of the lake freezing, defrosting, or anything like that.
0: No, it's. I mean, sometimes it freezes very, very late, so we cannot do it too early in the year uh, because it's it's one of Sweden's biggest lakes. Uh, so this year it was freezing in February, um, but usually once it's frozen, it lasts until well end of May or mid June. Uh, so it's winter here for a long time.
1: It has a it has a real wow factor though, doesn't it? Like to do a backyard on a frozen lake in in the Arctic Circle like with the northern lights hanging over your head. I want to strip it right back a little bit because you've only really been ultra running since 2017, haven't you? Yeah, really yeah. like actually entering races, should I say?
0: Yeah, I was I mean, I've been running longer distances for longer than than so uh but I ran my first ultra race at, in 2017 and uh, that was uh, about 107 kilometers so that was by far the furthest I had ever run by that time but and I had no I I had no like yeah I, I did never thought I was going to compete in ultra running or anything like that it was just for fun and it was a challenge just yeah. to just to complete the race
1: but you live in a beautiful place like so you have been doing a lot of running there's loads of mountains around you Loads of ranges and um, you were running quite a lot coming up to that the first couple of months leading up to that first race weren't you
0: yeah well I did um usually well even before I I started to train (laughs) or what what to call it I was running maybe like uh, uh, 100 or 120 kilometers a week it's not a lot but I guess it's more than a lot of people do and it's since I'm (laughs) running in yeah and since i since I'm running in this kind of environment, it's it's quite a lot of hours too, because it's uh, I mean it's it's a lot of elevation and it's just trail. I basically never I don't do a lot of road running sometimes in the winter because it's easier, but in summer, I prefer to just run uh, on trails or off trail. Um, so I guess I was quite well prepared anyway, but I mean, I have spent the winter, I had spent the winter before not running a lot. I was more like walking around on skis and doing other sports. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: but a lot, of car- so,
1: a lot of cardio though on the skis though, isn't it? It's keeping you fit.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's not like, I never really get tired in that sense or uh, before, mm. before I started to train. Uh, but I <laughs> guess I was prepared on the, like being out for a long time um, and doing an ultra run in, in the mountains. It's, a lot of people they come here and they and they look at the course and they look at the elevation and they are like okay I'm gonna do it in this or that time and uh, right now I just laugh when they they say that because uh, I mean even I know that even a good runner that is good at running on the flats uh, they will really swear and struggle with the stones and like the water and everything after some time um, so I think for me moving in this kind of environment every day, it's it's a big advantage. Uh, but it, but on the other hand, I'm very slow on the flats.
1: Yeah, do you prefer then, or do you enjoy just the adventure of trail running through the mountains? Is that what attracts you towards running?
0: Yeah, I mean, I would never, well, I think that some, maybe I want to do like a 24 hours uh, flat race just to see how it works and everything. Um, but I would I wouldn't run as much as I do if I was only running doing a road running or something like that. I mean, for me it's also to discover new places and uh, like uh, putting new trails together and just being outdoors. And when I run together with my dog scout, I, I don't stress uh, because he's quite lazy. So he wants me to say stop and scratch him <laughs> and everything like that uh so it takes a lot of time and i i enjoy being outdoors it's it's my lifestyle so i would do it even if i didn't want to become a better ultra runner i would still running run around in the mountains
1: so you you signed up for that first race 170 kilometers um can you remember actually signing up for that race like did you go online to sign up for it what made you actually decide right let me try this
0: um, I was out, uh, I was out winter camping uh, with the Scout My Dog and we had been out for about almost two weeks and uh, uh, I had spent a lot of time thinking and I thought, hmm, what do I want to do, what do I want to try and uh, doing an ultra race is something I have kind of thought about a long a long time and doing it up in the mountains like in, where I live uh, that seemed very cool. So then I decided to sign up and I was just I didn't get in because I mean it was already full. but then just one and a half month before the race, I, uh, I got a spot. So well, then I just just decided to run. I mean it's uh, it was just to see if I could complete complete the distance and how it worked and uh, yeah, it was just a challenge. I guess it's like an adventure like climbing a high mountain or something like that.
1: Yeah, it's just a, a sort of bucket list thing to do. Go and run an ultra. So you had no real, yeah, yeah. no real aspirations, on what was going to happen? It was there to be enjoyed, as simple as that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I had been looking at uh, the, uh, the previous finish times, and I was, I was not too impressed. <laughs> <laughs> by, by, I mean, some some of them were really impressive. But, but when I was looking at the results, I realized that, well, if I run as I usually do in the mountains, I'm probably not going to be um, that far down in the list.
1: Yeah, so very competitive then
0: yeah i didn't want to be competitive so i i thought about bringing like the thermos with coffee and uh, like a sandwich and everything and really like take take myself time and sit on a stone because and drink coffee because i thought that was what most ultra runners did uh i didn't know i didn't really realize that ultra runners are that competitive competitive as we are
1: well some of Um, us do actually sit down and have coffee like (laughs) the ones that aren't at the point the end.
0: (laughs) yeah and that was what i thought I was where i was gonna end up like yeah just doing it for for the for the fun thing i mean i do it for the fun thing but i also want to to do it fast
1: because it's quite a leap though isn't it because i can it's like a baptism of fire i've been using that word that phrase um quite a lot lately um when you do your first one and it's there's so much to learn that you're not aware of so fueling pacing well those are two key things fueling pacing and then getting ready for those low points that are come gonna come and hit you in the face over and over again which you're not really expecting
0: yeah and i mean when i run in the mountains uh, like w- when i before this race i really i never really Brought any fuel or anything? I, it's not a problem for me to run like for five or six hours uh, just on water. Uh, I mean, I get tired, but it's it doesn't matter because I'm not competing or I don't have to run fast anyway. Uh, so it was a little bit different uh, to run a race. So I I just brought like ten Snickers and thought <laughs> that would be like perfect. Um but then uh, like mm. in the first the first with the first Snickers I realized well this shoeing thing while running this is not it's not my thing and <laughs> um it was a lot of things that well I realized maybe you should try your backpack before and uh yeah.
1: Yeah, so it was the first time you ran with a backpack on then was it?
0: No, I had been running with a backpack but with a smaller one. So I had to buy a new one before I just uh, and I had, uh, well, I had tried it the, the the day before, just like jumping around in the, in the small cabin. Uh, but otherwise, I had never tried it.
1: Yeah, so the race was capped at 50 people. So it was a small field of people. Do you enjoy that type of race? You know, it's a real grassroots, more um, more connected with the other runners. Like, it's definitely the likes of Chamonix where there's thousands of runners. Um, well, you've had both scales. Which do you prefer? Do you prefer the smaller, sort of groups or do you prefer the bigger scene uh
0: when it comes to the running i really prefer the smaller uh the smaller races uh because when you are like 50 people starting a race it's it's nice you can talk to everyone the day before and uh this kind of race is a race where a lot of people return and you get to know each other it becomes like a family and then you also have time to chat with the people afterwards uh but The running itself is quite lonely because I mean, once you are up on the mountain, you you run basically all the race alone. And I prefer running alone, so it really suits me. Um, I get a little bit stressed, uh, like for example, running TDS. I thought the first five six hours was quite horrible because it was people everywhere, and um,
1: I couldn't couldn't get your flow.
0: Yeah, 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 and. uh, um, yeah i was a little yeah i was just disturbed and uh, i couldn't focus on myself but then after some time it got better because the field got really spread out um and everyone got in their own uh i guess they were just in their own world and and so on and i i mean i i like it some also the big races because i think it's it's cool and it's it's very different from what i'm used to but i I still think it's very scary <laughs> yeah
1: did you hit any real low patches in that first ultra race that you done
0: it was quite good uh, i mean after 50 kilometers when i had run the first 57 kilometers i it kind of felt like i was already home uh so i maybe i was starting to run a little bit too fast uh, and then i was got a little bit quite tired uh, but i think overall i had a good time and I think probably that was uh, that made me try more ultra races afterwards. If I had had a really bad time the first time, probably I would just say, "Well, never more."
1: But you came. But fir- I thought it was nice. Yeah, you came first in that race, thirteen hours and eleven minutes.
0: Uh, yeah, first, first w- w- woman. I was third overall, so it, I had two guys before me.
1: Um, so they knew who you were after that. So that was you just sort of dipping your toes in.
0: Ah, uh, not really. I think everyone. I mean, it's a small race. It's not uh, super known in Sweden. Um, And I basically thought I I was just lucky and it was not a a lot of women running. So Um, I didn't think so much about that. And then I was running another race, a shorter race, 53 kilometers the same year, which I also won. But then I was doing my first 120K and that was quite flat. And I ended up running really, really bad. I still got the second place, but it, I just felt I'm never going to do this again.
1: <laughs> so um, what what was the difference then? Was it was it pace? Was there a lesson in pace in there? Were you going too quick because it was flatter, or was it just not where your strength was at?
0: I don't know. Probably I had the, my first ultra race. Probably I had it a little bit too easy, um, and I never really thought about how I should have handled like, hard times and everything. And uh, I, I didn't know anything about energy at that time either. Uh, and I survived the first one, so I didn't think... Uh, I had to think so much about it. So I think I just crashed. Um,
1: yeah. You had it too good in the first race then, so there wasn't enough learning to come out of that race, I suppose, that you could take with you until the next one when the problems came.
0: Yeah, and I mean, 53 kilometers, you can basically always finish. So... Uh, I didn't learn so much from that.
1: Yeah, but you still came second, though. So, what was your biggest learning out of that race?
0: Um, that you can keep running a long time, although you want to quit. I, I was really like close to pull out in about after about sixty kilometers, um, but then I I ended up walking a lot. Um, so uh, basically, it took a lot of time, and but. And I, I guess I also realized that I'd rather finish a race uh, in a bad time um, and learn something from it than quit because I, I'm um, not happy with my performance.
1: So that that is the key point, though, isn't it? When you get to those places, that's where the most value comes out of a race. You just indicated two different types of races that you had and how they went for you. And the first one went pretty easy. Um, and there wasn't that much learning to come out of that, only that you're a great runner. And then the second time where things start going wrong, you know, that really builds a bit of character, which you carry into the next race then.
0: Yeah, and I think it also teaches you what you have to train and, uh, like, uh, what you can do differently. And I think those rough times, I mean, they are horrible, but they actually <laughs> they make you stronger as well.
1: How did you feel when you crossed the finish line then? Did you surprise yourself after being so low um, that you... <clears throat> Sorry, that you actually still finished? Uh,
0: I mean, I was disappointed. It, it's, uh, I, I mean, I'm quite competitive, although I try to not uh, admit it. But uh, so, I, of course, I was disappointed that my running was so bad. Uh, but I think I was still happy that I finished it. And I was actually, it was the only race I've been, ever been running together uh, with people. So, so I met two guys during the race and they kind of they are were more experienced ultra runners so they kind of helped me through it uh, so i was also quite grateful for that
1: they were going well actually and you had crashed so you were going the same pace no, as no i think they were
0: tired <laughs> i think we all kind of ended up not competing and and so on so we i mean it was more like we tried yeah. to have a nice time although we uh were not happy with our performances
1: but that is there's a great community in ultra-running though, isn't it? And that really demonstrates what happens, especially in the middle of the field. I don't know what it's like for these guys up in front. Um, but quite often, you know, when the wheels come off, as we like to say, the ultra-runners really do support each other to the finish.
0: Yeah, I think that's different from like from uh, people running shorter distances because you, you never have time to get so close to each other. Mm. Um, and it's more just about speed and finish as fast as possible but i think ultra running is more like about uh, the mind and uh, just like also well the inner experience
1: you you also find when you meet those people um when you're helping each other through those low points like that you end up having those guys for friends for an awful long time afterwards so those two people i'm sure are you still keep in touch with them
0: yeah, I mean, we have not, not met since uh, since we are running different races and uh, live in really different parts of the world. But, uh, I mean, we keep in touch in, on Facebook and Instagram yeah. and so on. And uh, I would really like to run with them again. So I hope one day.
1: It's funny, like when I go and do a long race, if it goes well, I get a handful of friends. If it goes bad, I get two handfuls of friends.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think it's like that. So I think that's the, the well, the the charm with ultra running. It's all those nice people that you are actually meet. Yeah. I mean, I'm super happy with just running around on the mountain, uh, but I meet so much nice people by going and running races. And like right now, in it feels like it it becomes like all the ultra runners become. It's becoming a family, and it's uh, it's just so nice to get uh, to, to get to meet same people on all the races and so on so i i I can't quit right now
1: (laughs) yeah and like that was only 2017 you know it wasn't that long ago um so you can tell there that you're sort of feeling your way through your first couple of ultra races but you came first in the first one second in the second one coming into 2018 then you targeted back to the 107k race what did you do did you do anything differently going into that race now that you are super competitive?
0: Uh I mean I I had trained a lot more of course also during the winter when I was running the first ultra race I was I mean I was training on be, was outdoors a lot but I didn't I didn't want to be a better outdoor runner or anything like that. I fe- I think for in, uh, before 2018 I still ha- didn't really have any um, expectations of becoming like a good ultra runner but I still wanted to become a better ultra runner um, so I was running more during the winter uh, and I had increased my mileage, probably I was running about 150-160 um uh, before that race and I was doing more like longer runs in, well, maybe more about 50-60 60-70 kilometers uh, and I was also doing more uh, a little bit more speed work. I'm too lazy for that, uh, but I was uh, trying. Uh, but I still ended up. I mean, I was running um, better than in the first one, but I was surprised that I ended up running so badly anyway.
1: Well, you say so badly, but you did. You knocked about 40 minutes off your time from the previous year, and you did come first. Um, but the race. Yeah,
0: but I mean, I had I well with the training I had done and like the preparations, I should have been able to. Uh, go and un- well under at least well 12 15 or something uh which which was an hour uh, faster than i did the, the year mm-hmm. before uh but well i didn't do a good race uh so it's uh, it was
1: but the year before you knocked 30 minutes off the course record for the ladies and then this year you or that year you 2018 you'd knocked another 40 minutes off that and that shows a really good competitor when they were like oh it was such a terrible race i could have knocked at least another hour off that hour and 10 minutes that i've already knocked off
0: <laughs> i mean it's it's also really my it's where i run every day it's yeah. uh it's it's my environment so i it's actually a, i should be really good at that this kind of races and i have no excuse for for not being good, uh, but I, while well, I kind of I was re- got really tired. I, probably I was opening a little bit too fast, uh, so I was uh, really tired, uh, really already after 20 kilometers, uh, and I really wanted to uh, to quit. But I mean that would mean that I had to turn around and and meet all the runners that were still coming up, and I didn't want to do that. Uh, so then I figured that well I can quit, uh, but still finish the race. I can. I mean, I can walk it and I can walk with people like I did in the 120K race uh, and just try to have a nice time.
1: Were you measuring yourself on the year before then? Because the year before, obviously, it flowed so well. So when you were coming to particular climbs earlier on, you're sitting thinking, geez, I shouldn't, I shouldn't be feeling this bad so early on. And you're sort of reflecting on last year, how you just flew up that pass.
0: Yeah, of course. But, but that time, I didn't really look at the times and so on. So I didn't have anything to compare with. Um, but I knew that I had had kind of made a plan for, for the 2018, but I didn't keep up to that one. Uh, but then when I reached the finish line, I was still surprised that, well, after running so badly that I was, well, I finished in a decent time.
1: Why do you keep on? So I
0: guess that was the good thing about it.
1: What was your definition of running badly then? Was it just the fact you were struggling through the race so much?
0: No, it's it's this. I I don't really care about the struggling uh, physical thing. It was that I my mind kind of gave up really early in the race, and uh, I felt this. I don't. I want to quit, and I and I didn't. I didn't manage to change it. So I was just running around and being grumpy for. Uh, 80 kilometers and uh, I mean you have actually no reason now running around and feeling sorry for yourself it's your own choice and it's uh, um, I mean it's a lot better than working for eight (laughs) hours or something like that Uh, so I think it was more that I I didn't manage to keep uh, well to to keep my mind up and uh, so, not managed to stay
1: happy it sounds like then you had a valuable lesson on mental um just developing your mental strength and your resilience because you get pissed off for yourself after a race when you, your mind is beating you down so much that you feel that you give up and then yeah. after you know and then afterwards you're like oh like it happened to me in the backyard when I done twelve loops, and I sort of convinced myself beforehand this is just a B race for me. I'm fine because I was doing, um, the Dolomites this year. I was meant to be doing 120k, oh. uh, Laveretto. Labore- and so I convinced myself that. But it was just a weak excuse <laughs> and an easy way to pull out, and I sort of didn't mind for a day, and then afterwards I was like, ah. Oh, I had done so many podcasts coming up to that race with like Maggie and Lars and, and I built a romance in this race and I really did fall over. like, um, But that only just it energizes you and gets you ready to meet that person again, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, it's, it actually does. I think it's it's good that not everything goes smoothly all the time because it's uh, it's those really bad moments or bad races that actually makes you grow as well. And it, it makes you rethink, like, um, hmm, how can I do this better? I mean, if you do a good race, you don't think so much about it. Well, I don't, I don't do it, do it at least. Yeah. I just, okay, that was, I, I, I would just did as I ex- expected myself to do, and then I just leave it. But a bad race, I don't leave it. <laughs> I think about it uh, a lot.
1: <laughs> so at the end of 2018, you done an epic race called the Hillman. It's a bit of a famous race as well, isn't it? It's got like, they claim to have around like 70% of people don't finish that race. You know, it's a real tough nut that goes along the shoreline.
0: Yeah, it's supposed to be the the hardest uh, 100 miler in Sweden. And it's at least the biggest one with the most participants. Uh, So that was kind of my first uh, bigger ultra race. And it was also my first 100 miler. Um, So I, well, it was the same there as for my first ultra race my my goal was to finish the race and uh, uh, finish the distance without out getting too trashed um but i wasn't really i knew before that i was actually in really good shape and it was kind of crazy that morning when uh, we were waiting for the start to go and i i just felt okay i'm gonna win this <laughs> uh, Confident. Uh, I, I'm not, I'm not going to care about like uh, running smart or or anything. I'm just going to go for winning this, uh, and I have never really felt that before. Uh, so that was a different experience for me. And then I ended up having a really good race as well. I mean, of course, 100 miles is is far. You have like some ups and downs, but I didn't go that far down in the basement. And it's I mean, the first 80 kilometers was flat, which I don't like. Uh, so I was really worried about that, but I had done some more flat training before and uh, I was actually unsurprisingly um, the first female after after the flats, not with a lot. Uh, but then I kind of felt when we get out get got the, out to do like more wheelie parts. I passed a lot of males and for me I, I felt well, this is super fun. I love it. <laughs> uh, I, I I'm it sure was, they thought uh, that as
1: well as you went past.
0: Yeah, of course. But I mean, I had a good time. That, that was the kind of running I love. I mean, the uphills were not long. It was They were steep, and then there were some downhills, and it was a lot of stones, and I had super fun. And uh, I realized that, well, I'm going to finish my first 100 miler, so overall I just had, had a really good time, and I ended up winning, being the, the fourth overall. So I guess that was uh, really above my own expectations.
1: Yeah, I suppose you didn't know what was going to happen. It's your first hundred-mile race, the toughest one in Sweden. It's got a huge dropout, must be the dr- biggest dropout that in any hundred-mile race, to be honest. And
0: I'm I'm gonna put I'm gonna say something here. I think it's because a lot of people are not prepared for running a hundred mile. Uh, so it's uh, the more people you have on the start line, the the more people are gonna drop. <laughs>
1: But it looks like an epic race. I love the photograph of the start of that race where you have the horseman um, dressed in his, his medieval gear. I think that's the best way to describe it. And he charges off and everybody comes behind him, doesn't he?
0: It's really beautiful with the surroundings and everything as well. And I mean it goes in November so the weather can be quite harsh. and since it's also passes like, I mean it's uh, just on the border of the ocean. So it's quite windy for most of the time and it's, it's dark for quite a long time and so on. Uh, so the weather can be quite challenging. And I mean, the surface can be muddy and uh, it can be a little bit of everything. I'm, I'm not so keen on heat. So for me, it works really well.
1: Yeah, so it, it sounds like those adverse conditions that other people aren't used to, like the cold or climbing, you find yourself being more competitive in those type of environments.
0: Yeah, because that's my normal environment, I guess. Mm. Um, it doesn't bother me because that's what I'm run, running in every day. So for me, it's it's more like an advantage. Um, I, I know how to handle it. So it, for me, uh, when it's like plus 30 degrees, I really suffer. And I, uh, I'm i not competitive in, in heat. Uh, so I need to work on that.
1: Yeah. What, what did do you do for fueling? then? Did you put 20 Snickers in your bag? No, uh, I was. Uh, <laughs> I, I guess I was still not thinking a lot, but I was just taking
0: some. Well, I was eating a lot of candy,
1: <laughs> just the, the jelly sweets and things like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. So.
0: Yeah, and then sports drink and a lot of coke, and I probably got a little bit low on energy at that time too. But it's it worked anyway. Uh, it was not warm, so it.
1: So what was your mindset coming out of that race then? Because that was such a difficult race, and you come first. Um, you even you know you felt that like competitive edge at the beginning of the race and like where does your do your mind does your mind then start thinking of the likes of TDS cuz i'm assuming that you're picking up um points all the way through these type of races that you're doing like how how did yeah. how did TDS come on your radar
0: i was kind of just looking for fun and uh, looking um if there was any race during the the UCMB week i could apply for um, and then I realized, well, I can actually apply for, I could apply for, I couldn't apply for UTMB at the time. I think I, I was missing two points. Um, and, uh, I didn't want to run the CCC, uh, because it was shorter and, um, I've heard it's not so technical. Um, and I've always wanted to, well, when looking at those races, I've always like wanted to run the TDS because it seemed quite technical and, Um, not as big as the other ones Uh, and uh, for 2019 it was also longer than the years before so it was 145 Um, and then I realized well I can actually apply for this so I well I did just decided to do it Uh, I didn't have I mean I had never been running a mountain race or like a race with that kind of elevation so I didn't I didn't really think that I was going to be, uh, one of the top in that race. Mm. Um, I, I hoped that maybe like top first, I hoped that top 20, but then I kind of felt maybe top 10 if I'm lucky.
1: Yeah. Cause this is the world stage now, you know, TDS, Chamonix, Ultra Week, really all these big races, all these big names. Um, you did have one race just before TDS that really sort of, you could almost say it was your well, apart from the Hillman, obviously, it was your first real... You coming onto the radar, and that was the the Tabby Extreme Challenge. It was another 100-mile race. But unlike the Hillman, like, you smashed that one out of the park. Like, you finished in 16 hours and 52 minutes. Like, for a 100-mile race, like, that was just... Like, did you surprise yourself hitting that time in that race?
0: Uh, yeah, I was surprised that I was... Uh running so bad <laughs> no I, I had really i went for 16 hours so i was uh not at all happy uh,
1: <laughs> uh, but, oh, that was quite yeah. a char- that was quite a target to set yourself though wasn't it six a sub 16 hour 100 mile race like you've only been running now or entering races like um i don't know a year a year and a half
0: yeah but i think if i had done uh, i still think if i have done uh, more things right it wouldn't uh, well it wouldn't i would have at least been closer to 16 hours because i was doing this typical thing again i was running too fast it seems to be my thing um and then uh, not don't not caring about drinking or eating the first four hours and it was quite warm and then i just uh ended up being trashed uh and uh it was, that was probably the first time I've really, really, really been down in the basement. Um, uh, yeah. It was, I've never been that rushed after a race and I've never, it, I mean, usually I can run like after three days or something, but here I was so tired for two weeks or something. Yeah. Um, so I don't know what happened really, but uh, well, I, I'm still happy with with winning uh, and i I mean, it's, it's a decent time, but it was not what, what I was going for. So I, I'm, I'm not going to be happy about that.
1: But it does, say, it does seem that that was the race that turned you into a, well, that was your next, next progressive step of turning you into a competitive ultra runner. You know, even though you yeah, had think- come first in the other ones, it was like you really raced this one and you went deep. And, you know, if you're going to be competitive on the big stage, like you actually done it in that race. And it was the first time you experienced going to that level.
0: Yeah, and I think it's also since it was, I think probably a lot of people thought, including myself, thought that I had just been lucky before. And uh,
1: You'd won a couple of smaller races at home, do you know what I mean? You knew, yeah. you knew the grounds, you know, you trained that, it's your home. So there was the, it wasn't a huge challenge so that when you went into these other arenas, um, you weren't going to be able to perform. But you don't get a bigger arena than Chamonix and tds like to come fourth in tds after like a year and a half of really running ultras like that that's mind-blowing really when you look back on that and i've got a feeling you weren't going to be happy with that race
0: i mean i'm i'm very 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 happy with my fourth place um i couldn't have asked for more uh so um and i think i did a decent run as well um I was not starting too fast, and I was working my way into it. But then I did some other mistakes that I'm not that happy with, like as I said, not checking my headlight before, um, and I broke my pole. Uh, that was not really not something I could do about it, but it was like still it it kind of destroyed a little bit.
1: At what at stage? 10 at what stage? Because TDS um, after.
0: Yeah, I think it was about after seven hours. So I I got the new pole after like three hours, um, but I fixed it. I taped it, but it, it took some time. Because um, it's, it's, it's a
1: key piece of kit in a race like TDS, isn't it? There's a lot of climbing. It's very technical. Yeah,
0: like. I I was I was continuing. Uh, Without it first, at first, because I thought, what what difference can it make? Uh, but it, I figured that it really made a big difference, yeah. actually. So that's why I that's why I stopped and tried to just fix it as well. Um, but I mean, that was n- not really something I could do about it, and I solved it, so that yeah. that was good. Uh, but then <laughs> um, I got lost a lot. It's it, oh, uh, it right. seemed to be my thing. Uh, when the darkness came, I had well, since I had poor headlight, I didn't really see and I was stressed, so I was not really checking where I was running. And then in the, in the end, uh, it was me and a Brazilian girl, we were running together for a long time, like fighting for the fourth and the fifth place. Um, and I, I was just after her in, the, in this, the last long climb, and I knew I was faster than her in the downhills. Um, So I was really like uh, after that climb I was running basically as fast as I could Uh, and then we came to an aid station and they were supposed to like blip our, what do you call it, our our bibs, yeah, Yeah, our bibs and and then they said, oh, it doesn't work, I think we are out of battery and I was like, okay, uh, maybe you can just uh, see what bib number I have and I can keep running and they said, no, 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 no and really bad English. And I was waiting there for maybe like three, four minutes while they were changing battery. And then, of course, the Brazilian girl, uh, she she uh, reached up to me again and they fixed this just when she came. So then we were running out at the same time and I was super mad. Uh, and I was also asking, OK, how far is Chamonix? And they said uh, four kilometers. And I thought, OK, four kilometers is downhill. And then I was uh, running well, I don't know if it was fast. It felt super fast after those 20 hours, um, at least the fastest I could run. And then I checked the watch and I had been running for 40 minutes. And I was like, it's, that can, this cannot be possible. Uh, I, even though I'm tired and I, I it doesn't take me 40 minutes to run four kilometers downhill. And I was passing like inside a village and I thought it was like um, Chamonix. Then I was just running out in the woods again, and then my brain started to, I don't know why it didn't work, uh, and I thought, oh, have I somehow missed uh, the finish line? <laughs> so um, I, I decided to turn around, and then I t- turned around again, and then I turned around some more times, and I'm gonna sound like an idiot, and uh, I, I feel like an idiot, but I i, I totally lost where I came from. Uh, so I was running around there like, uh, trying to figure out where to go for about 10 minutes. And I was even calling Roger, um, my partner, and crying. And he was just like, you are l- losing a good position right now. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And I was uh, super sad. And then the Brazilian girl came up to me again, and she said, what are you doing? And I thought, "I'm don't I don't know. <laughs> Brilliant. And we were and we were running together uh, for some time, uh, and I didn't have the heart to try to run to, well to leave her again. Uh, but then she she just said to me, "Just go on, I'm tired." And then I went.
1: <laughs> Where were you at then in that village? Was it coming into Chamonix or?
0: I still don't know, probably it was coming into Chamonix and then it was just going outside for some time and so on. But I, I think it's, uh, since I, it, in my mind, I just, just had four kilometers to go, yeah. it was
1: just like... You start doubting yourself, don't you? You're tired and a little doubt comes into your mind and then all of a sudden you get confused.
0: Yeah, it's it seems, I mean, right now it seems easy, but when you have been uh, running for a long time and you get tired and you probably like... You, uh, you're running out of fuel and everything. It's, uh, it's the... Everything gets a bit messy and it was dark. And I always get lost as well. So it's, uh, I mean, <laughs> it was not really a surprise. It was just like, why does it happening now?
1: <laughs> so the race started, um, it started quite early, TDS, wasn't it? Like around half four or something like that?
0: Yeah, I think so. Three or four.
1: So what time did you finish at then? Were you were finishing around midnight?
0: Yeah, I was running two three. I think just above twenty four hours, twenty-four fifteen
1: yeah. or something. So what was the finish like?
0: I mean it was I was since I was super angry, it was uh not that fun. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but you still uh, you still no. kept on to your, your fourth place like and you know, the race before really in my mind established you as a competitive ultra runner, but now this has sort of catapult you onto the world stage that's what fourth place in tds was doing you know it's like like people wouldn't have knew potentially anna carlson before that race and then it was like oh who's standing next to the podium so that was the difference in that race you can see the progression through each of these races and it's still only within the first two years so that's that's it's a pretty exciting place to be at the age of i'm gonna say 28
0: (laughs) No, I'm 34, yeah, so it's-, it's actually like it's, uh, I don't have a lot of time.
1: <laughs> well, as as an ultra runner though, you are you feel that yeah. to begin with, but like ultra runners, um, that's very young for an ultra runner who maintains their endurance. It's really the experience and that mental resilience and strength that builds over time. Um, I was, I think, when I I, I actually done CCC um, last year as well. And I did pick it because it wasn't as technical as TDS. <laughs> so, okay, how did you do? Oh, no, it was a brilliant race as well. Like, so I I did I started way at the back with about... Because I didn't know what to expect. It was my first type of race like that. And I was like 2,200th at the back. And then I finished like 930th. Um, but I met my pain cave. My stomach went like after Champelac. Um, but an amazing like atmosphere, an amazing place, an amazing week. Um, I'd never been to Chamonix before, and it really gave me the bug for that type of event. And I'm, I'm I'm trying to get into UTMB now, but there's loads of other races. I'm not worried about it. Um, I do actually like that hillman. I don't know what is <laughs> something about that. I like those wow factors and the likes of the lavarado the Dolomites, or um the eiger Trail and things like that. There's loads of good alpine races out there. And every time, I actually love um, interviewing people like yourself and taking a look, deep, diving into what they've done and all these mad races all around the world that you've never heard of. They're everywhere.
0: Yeah, I think that that's kind of a problem because uh, <laughs> for me right now, I, I want to pick like, like races that, well, it, it's, it's good for me. That's, uh, like, I mean, it's, it's good to, to do well in a UTMB race and, and so on. But I mean, there are so many other races that um, that seems cool to run that no one really cares about. And but I'm quite I I, I look a lot of it, lot on the course and and pick the races because of that. Um, but I, it's the same for me. I've been looking a lot of Dolomites and the Labaredo and uh, those races. And uh, I think if I wouldn't have got a spot on the Barclay this year, I would have run the Dolomites. Well, I still wouldn't have been able to do it so it doesn't really matter but yeah. i think those kind of races look very very i
1: could have been very- i could have been standing at the starting line next to you <laughs> but it looks absolutely amazing um it was unfortunate that it was cancelled but I, I actually sprained my ankle taking the dog for a walk about three or four weeks ago so i was out anyway but just one question i've got about TDS: how did you manage the heat because it was quite warm that day
0: yeah, I mean, I think I'm getting used to it more and more. And I had tried to do like a lot of running. It never gets super warm here, so it's of course it's. Yeah, you it's hard. you said today it was warm, one degree. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, but I mean, I try to, I try to do it uh, in like the warmest part of the day, and so on. And I think also uh, it, I'm starting to adjust and just try. I'm not so bothered about it anymore. And I was quite lucky during TDS as well. It was cloudy uh, for, for a lot of the time. So it wasn't that bad. It could have been worse, definitely.
1: So, how did, how did you get into the backyard then? So that's where you came onto my radar. I've almost got a hit list oh. on the backyard. Uh, yeah. I, <laughs> I keep on picking is, all well, these runners. I think I've done, I've podcasted five or six people now that did the backyard last year. But it. it yeah, so, how, how does that come? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> it's. It's actually, um, it's funny because when I was talking to Dean Karnazes, um this week, you know, I talked about, you know, the ultra running scene is grown so big. He, he, he said actually, well, maybe it's not. Maybe you've just become one of them people. <laughs> and I think yeah. it is that, you know, the community isn't as big as we think it is. It's just the fact we are now one of those crazy people.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I start to think so as well. Because I thought it was like the community was super big, but like one year ago, but now I start to feel okay, it's it's actually quite small.
1: Yeah, it's very connected very nice. connected. Like and like you know when you say you will know people and you say, Yeah, I've done a hundred mile race and the amount of times I get like, geez, um, I wouldn't drive my car that far <laughs> you know, it seems to be the common response for a non runner or non ultra runner. I wouldn't drive my car that far. And I get really super excited, you know, and all these people and I go into work and there's like a thousand people that work in the place i do and they're like who who <laughs> and I'm like yeah. yeah like i just you won't believe this like i had courtney do water on the show this week and they're like who i say oh, i've got anna carlson next week on the show you won't believe this like until like who and i'm like that, that's a little bit more who than the courtney
0: downwater <laughs> <laughs> but i courtney must have been quite cool
1: <laughs> yeah but it is like well the world Championships, anyway, you still lined up amongst those great people, and um how did you get into that race? yeah, like did you because it it seems to be not what you would go after you know oh no, so- uh,
0: um, at this time last year, I didn't even think about running a backyard um I was kind of laughing at people running around the same loop over and over again, and said, I would never do that. Um, but then I was uh, uh, like I was spending some time in Slovakia for for a month uh, and we were going there by car. Um, so we had to go through all the way through Sweden on the way back. and I was looking uh, on what for a race because I felt in quite good shape and it was it was fun to try something. Uh, and I found some like 50k races and 60k races and that's not really my thing either. Uh, because you have to run fast and it's makes me super tired. Uh, <laughs> so I I found a back I found two backyards, uh, one in uh, and one in Elvdalen, uh, and uh, I have met the people that organized the race and I I they are very nice. And then I also got to know that well last Larsen Lake was going to be there, um, and then I thought hmm that could be a bit interesting. So I choose to run that that race um, because I mean even though I'm not interested in backyards um, of course everyone in ultra running knows about the Barclay Marathons. Um, and if I would pick a dream race that would probably be mine um, I didn't think I was ever gonna get a chance to run it but I thought hmm uh, just meeting last would be a very cool experience uh, after seeing him him on Netflix, <laughs> I was a little yeah. bit starstruck.
1: But so I decided yeah. to go. It's so weird, like, isn't it? He's this huge icon, like, in the world of ultra running. You know, and every yeah. every ultra runner in the world and every elite ultra runner just buys down to this man. Like, he's he's got so much charisma.
0: Yeah, and I mean, he's very fun as well. Is and he, I think, it's the thing that he's just being himself all the time. Mm and he doesn't really care about what everyone thinks and so on and i mean he's he's not really a typical alpha runner either it's just like
1: yeah i think he run a 119 or a 116 or something half marathon like that was fast yeah i
0: mean yeah i mean he's been like super fast and doing uh, crazy things but he never brags about it or anything mm-hmm. like that and I mean, right now, he's walking around smoking his cigarette and that's not so much ultra run thing. But he's, I, yeah, like, I think. Like every
1: ultra runner knows that he smokes camels. Of, uh, every ultra runner knows he smokes camel cigarettes. Like we know everything about him.
0: Yeah, and, and that's a bit, that's a bit strange. <laughs> it's like he's, uh, he's the father of ultra running somehow. Yeah.
1: So that was a, a, a possibility, a direct path potential into the barclay marathons which we all know is extremely difficult to get into um but going to the backyard at least you could get talking to Lars and plant a few seeds or um did you have any aspirations going into that race or was it really just about that
0: not really because i had a lot of other races coming up uh the next couple of months uh which I, well for example the swedish alpine again which i was uh, running and then the TDS, which was my really big goal. Uh, so I didn't want to screw anything uh, in the beginning of the season. So I guess my expectations was just to go there and, well, run as, uh,
1: and just as enjoy far it. as it
0: felt. Yeah, kind of like that and see what the uh, backyard was like. And I was also deciding that I was going to try to run the loops different speeds and, like, see how it felt like and if I could sleep and just, like... Uh, Um, experiment with energy if I could eat like solid foods and everything like that so it was kind of like a test and uh, like a good lesson for future ultra races as well Um, but then it felt really good for for a long time and uh, of course when people start to to drop off it's also getting becoming a competition Um, and The furthest any woman had been running in Sweden, uh, in the backyard, uh, was 33 loops. So when we were getting closer to 30 30 loops, I figured that, well, I'm going to do a 34. Um, And then I came quickly. I started to get some problems with my knee, and I was getting tired, and I was running with... uh, We were only three people remaining, and one of them was Johan Stene, who has the world record on 68 loops. So I, I kind of felt, well... Uh, I'm not gonna win this anyway so but I'm doing um, if I'm doing doing a 34 that's that's good um so that's what I was doing and I was quite happy when quitting as well so I think I mean it was uh, it was probably like a stable performance I guess mm-hmm. um and I think uh I kind of got a feeling that last kind of liked me during the race because I was I mean, I have fun for most of the time, so I I, I try to like just joke around and. Uh, yeah. When uh, you had,
1: had, when had... you ask like who's who's Anna Carlson is Anna Carlson is that is that the girl that was smiling all the time and <laughs> <laughs> this big cheesy grin on her when the rest of us were suffering and on our knees, <laughs> and but it's a very it is a social event as well, isn't it? Well, the first twenty four hours is a real social event. Laz says you know you can tell who come to play, you know who you ever toes the line. After 24 hours, those are the ones that have come to play. But prior to that, it's quite a social event, isn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's, I mean, it's very nice. And uh, before before 24 hours, um, if the weather is nice and the course is nice and so on, it's, it's not so exhausting either. Uh, so it's, uh, I think it's, it's, it's a nice type of running. Uh, and I've always, I said, I kind of joke joked about it and said well backyard is actually going to suit me because you can sit down and drink coffee in the breaks and eat ice cream and uh, <laughs> um
1: your dream ultra
0: yeah no, well not really but uh
1: so how did how did you find actually running the loops because i surprised myself i've been training on the loops i think that was a big mistake on the actual course i did like i did seven loops one week and then the next week i had done nine loops So when i came to do the actual race i was almost a bit fed up that i'd already done those so many loops on it um And when I, like, I went out after 12 loops, but my 11th loop was my strongest. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I thought to myself, jeez I'm going to smash 100 loops. Uh, sorry, 100 miles today. Like, I uh, felt so great. And I was out the next loop just like that. But when I got really weak, I thought to myself, this isn't. This isn't running. This is not what I like about running. You know, I love A to B courses. Like I loved CCC. Didn't matter how much pain I got. You know, I can always put one leg in front of the other. But this isn't for me. This isn't my scene. And I don't know whether that doubt was attacking me from a different direction or not. Um, Because in training, I was enjoying it okay. Like, but when the it was, it was very easy to pull out that I wasn't ready for.
0: Yeah, it's, it was actually. I had exactly the same feeling when I was running the bigs. Uh, I kind of felt like, like you did. This is not for me. Uh, this is not running. Uh, it's uh, it's, <laughs> it's not my thing. And it was kind of like I always tried to convince myself. I was I was kind of too good for running a backyard. Not not really like that, but it was like no, it's not my thing. so i don't have
1: to care about this yeah i get that like because i know people that have done 100 miles on the backyard event or ran 60 miles you know 100k or 80 miles i thought sure it's only like you get to stop after every loop you get so you're only going 14 13 minute miles and until you actually try the event and and work out how bloody hard it is (laughs) you know because you don't have much time and you almost need to get into a rhythm and if you don't get into a rhythm, I found I was chasing the loops, you know, and when it started to slip, I was like, shit, I can't get back into this rhythm now. And all of a sudden the, the wheels started to come off very, very quickly. Yeah,
0: I think the, when you start thinking, it's uh, it's not good. And, <laughs> uh, and I think that's the problem with doing the backyard, because every time you get back to the choral, you, you, you kind of, as you say, it, you're rhythm or like if you are in a trance or something, it just breaks. So you have to start over every time, and it's uh, and uh, it's it's funny because you can have a really good loop, and then the loop after it's it's really bad. Uh, so I think it really goes up and up and down, and I think backyard is interesting in that way. It makes you, it kind of makes you humble too, because it's uh, it's so much, it's kind of so much emotions going up and down uh, with every loop, um, and I think you have to work a lot uh on yourself all
1: the time there's a lot of things going on in your head isn't there like i remember going out on the loop and i was extremely slow um but the person that had won um the backyard the year before he was way behind me and i'm sitting down well he's way behind me so (laughs) i might be struggling but like he's way behind me he actually won it as well um in treacherous conditions he won that he won this year as well and like what what was your um what was your gameplay actually going into that event did you try and like say five minutes per loop or uh
0: the bigs or in bigs? um i yeah i didn't know so much about the course and uh, the the day loop was actually it was a lot funnier than i expected but it was also harder because it's 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 definitely it's a it's trailer loop uh so it's it's very nice running but it's also once you get tired it's uh, it's not so easy to finish it in like 40 minutes or 45 minutes so it's um uh, it's it's kind of 50 minutes probably is a good time so I, I was just in the beginning i was trying to just like figure out how, how fast to run or like um h- how to how to do it uh, but it was the same here i was running definitely running too fast in the beginning and i think for me running backyard i really have to think about it's that not every loop is a competition the competition is to run as many loops as possible it doesn't matter how fast or how slow you are um, as you say because it's it's just about finishing uh, as many loops as possible and I think the problem is if you start running quite fast it kind of gets gets into your head when you get slower and it's also not so good because people once you start to get slower people see that uh, so I, and people start to realize you get tired so I, and uh, so it's really a mental thing so I think it's uh, um, now afterwards it's of course it's better to run slower in the beginning Maggie was uh, running like a watch and she was doing like most loops between 48 and 52 minutes and she did that also in the end so I think that would have had been Maybe even slower for me since Maggie is a faster runner. But uh, yeah, I think.
1: Is that the biggest learning that you got coming out of that?
0: Yeah, definitely. And I, I it's probably going to be my biggest struggle this year as well. That not every loop is a competition. You don't have to prove yourself strong during the loops. It doesn't. I mean, it doesn't start after 24 hours. Bigs this year is not going to start after, uh, like even 35 four, five hours or something. It's it's a long it's a long run, and you had have to be patient
1: yeah. and i'm
0: not so i don't have a lot of patience but i uh, i'm working on that
1: that's like that's that key word for ultra runners isn't it it's patience that makes a difference yeah, between success and failure i think um yeah, so, so what was it like experience and seeing that battle because will he would know he just went to a different level altogether like yeah. that man he looked like death <laughs> sorry will <laughs> Um, but it was quite you empowering know, but... to see that, though, to see how deep you can actually go.
0: Yeah, I think for me that was uh, uh, that was something really spectacular to see, actually, because he was really tired for a really long time. Um, I mean, he re- he even like he struggled to finish the loops the last fifteen hours or something like that. It was just that everyone was pulling food into him. And he was he was kind of just like a robot he was uh, not thinking on his own or anything like he was just doing, like people told him and then kept running. Uh, and that that was impressive because I thought he was just going to like fall over and die. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, that also makes me realize that although you go down to the basement, sometimes you don't get up, uh, but you can still go on running. Uh, and I think it's, it's impressive to, to ma- to actually handle to be that tired for for so long time um, so I, I think it was probably one of the the best performances I've ever ever seen then of course it's it was totally different with Maggie but she was she was so strong during during the entire race so it was it was she was impressive in a totally different way I think what Will did was uh, yeah really um, really crazy crazy actually
1: it's, it's pretty mental like because you've done 34 loops which was fantastic for a first backyard and because you feel that you have to do a few of them to actually get good at them don't you because there's so much learning that has to be taken from that and but to think that those guys were running for an extra 24 hours it sort of blows your mind a little bit doesn't it
0: yeah but it's i i thought about that during uh, uh, this run too that uh, also after 12 hours when you think oh shall i think if i if you think about running another 24 hours it feels impossible uh so i think i mean it's it's just or not just but you, you have to stop thinking and just keep running and doing another loop and that's difficult but i i really think you need to leave your brain at home
1: so the quarantine backyard then to as you said then, it was a good tester for you. You wanted to try the course out, so it fitted well. Um, it's a pretty cold climate. Did you anticipate that you were going to go on so long? Were you going into it to be competitive, or were you just going to go in and try the course out?
0: Um, I didn't see it as a competition at all um, because I thought that that was probably, if I was lucky, I was going to make it, or my goal was to make it to 24 hours because I thought that that was, be, was going to be quite good. Uh, I was running like a long run in the night five weeks before when I was running 120 k's. so I kind of knew that I could handle at least one, that I could handle one night. Uh, so 24 hours I figured was was a good was well uh, was a good goal.
1: It was a good target, like considering it was like a frozen lake minus six outside.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I mean the weather could have been really really like a lot worse, so I figured that. Um, if I can go on for 24 hours, it's actually it's it's quite good. I mean, it's it's not going to be good compared to any other runner, but well, uh, at my course and in my conditions, I thought it was, I mean, decent at least. And I th- I think also it was hard to see this competition because it's uh, everyone had different different conditions from the beginning, so you can't really compare yourself
1: it it was pretty unique though wasn't it like 2,400 odd runners coming together um on a global scale like it just shows you like that that wouldn't have happened only for the lockdown and it might never ever happen again but the because so mu- many so many good runners could enter it because all the races have been cancelled like how did it feel then when you went down to the last four people
0: I mean I didn't think so much at at that time I was uh really surprised when i made it into top 10 but when it was 15 runners left i I kind of felt i i want to make it top 10 and then i wanted to quit for a long time Uh, but then uh, uh, every time i was kind of deciding to quit another runner quit Uh, and then i i kind of just ended up doing another loop in my mind i had stopped running like 10 loops ago or something like that so I was I was quite surprised when we were just four runners but then sorry Greg if you listen on this uh, but then I when I watched Greg I thought hmm, he's starting to look really tired so I can probably outrun him then he stopped and uh, um, and then I kind of was looking at uh, well erotic he was looking like a machine no weakness there and uh, i was kind of i know that mike is an incredible runner
1: like he's one of the he's one of the world's best runners like isn't he? he's won spartathlon four times he holds the world record for 10 marathons in 10 days um uh, he's just like he's everything running is at that level isn't he so it must have been pretty cool though that must have been pretty cool being down to the last three with him
0: I kind it, it actually felt a little bit strange. I kind of felt, w- w- what am I doing here? <laughs> um, <laughs> how did this happen? Um, uh, and then, well, I started to think about, oh, I realized this competition is, well, this is going to go on for a long time. And I started to think about another night. And I kind of started to look for reasons to quit. Uh, because I was terrified of running another night. I mean, I really struggled the second one. Um, and I didn't want to keep running and then, uh, good for me, it started to snow a little bit and uh, become a little bit windy. And uh, then I quick as hell decided to drop off. <laughs> yeah.
1: So Mike almost pulled your motivation away a bit cause he was, it's like, if Mike wasn't there, you potentially would have went to win it and uh
0: not not with Roddi, I mean Roddi was uh
1: yeah
0: uh, i actually thought Roddick was gonna win um uh, for a long time, so it's uh yeah, no, he, I think yeah. and
1: that was it. it almost came down to that, then, isn't it? It's the underdog, it's that you know magic sort of underdog, David and Goliath sort of um essence around it, like, and everybody was at home rooting for R- Radddi, poor Mike, um Mike's a great runner as well, and it's almost like um. With these elite runners, people just expect it to happen, and they're working just as hard as everybody else uh, in the background, harder obviously, and that's why they're in that place. But everybody was sort of voting for Roddick. like it just came down to a crazy finish.
0: Yeah, I think that it was. Of course, it was sad that it ended the way it did because I wanted to see them both uh, keep running for for some more hours. Uh, but this is. This is, yeah. those things is happening sometimes. And I think, um, I mean, a lot of people have been complaining and uh, been saying bad things about personal peak and everything. But, I mean, they have organized this race in two weeks. Uh, I don't think they expected it to become more like than 2,000 people from all over the world. And, uh, I, I mean, it's no more for, like, how this is going to work or, like, how the rules are going to work and everything. So I think they did the best they could. And I think every like every runner in the race did the best they could as well. Uh, So I think, of course, it was sad that it ended the way it did. But uh, both Rodek and Mike are, I I mean, amazing runners.
1: Well, they both come out of it winners, really. Um, Yeah, I think so. (laughs) Laz won't like me saying that. (laughs) Um, There only is one person, as Laz will always say. Um, But you yourself then came, this was the last piece of your journey really then because up till now, because it actually, you had the TEC then brought you into the world of ultra running in a competitive style. TDS brought you onto the world stage. The backyard then sort of introduced you into that huge field of runners, elite runners. And then you had backyard quarantine, which introduced you to the rest of the world, runners and non-runners. So you've had a crazy sort of few days um like you've had the new york times you've had podcasts co- contacting you, interviews um and it was only three years ago that you really started that journey of growth and i'm sorry that i've taken so much of your time today like but i just wanted to sort of unravel that little journey that you've gone through
0: yeah and i i kind of for for this that's happening right now i i almost feel like an idiot if i'm gonna be honest i mean it's I. This is what I do every day. Uh, it's I mean I don't run for that long every day, of course. But I mean this is my normal normal environment. So for me this is not nothing extreme. I'm very happy because it was the longest, the furthest I've ever been running. Uh, so so that was cool, uh, and it was not something I had expected. But it's I think people are making they they think it's so extreme when it's really not for me it's uh, just like it's normal so <laughs> it's, uh, yeah I, I kind of feel guilty or like like an idiot that yeah. uh, it gets so much attention when I mean it was two runners that were going on for 18 more hours than I did so it's really nothing to um,
1: but that—that's the—that un- so about- is the uniqueness. It, it seems to be that forty-hour mark is becoming that cherry as well. You know, those that can get past forty are really good backyarders. Um, everybody does great, no matter whether it's twelve loops, um, twenty loops, no matter what. It's a difficult um, structured race, a structure of a race. But that is the uniqueness of it. Like you know, Joe Blogs from the corner of the road could actually do amazing in a race like this if they've got strong mental resilience um will himself done absolutely amazing doing 59 loops when he hadn't run half that distance before yeah it just shows you it's it really challenges your mental strength and that's what ultra running is all about it's and this it's become a, a sport in itself Um, just to finish then like what's your ambitions then for next year i love the idea of the backyard by the way I was thinking about going to Canada and seeing Dave, but you might unless Dave can pull out the lights Oh, uh, you night. should come here. Yeah, it definitely I'm, sounds as I like. I said, it, I'm
0: gonna, I'm gonna post the date. Uh, I'm, I'm sending you the date so as soon as we have decided.
1: Yeah, it's gonna be the backyard world tour next, I think. Um, so what aspirations have you got just to finish next year?
0: I don't really know. I think I've not really found myself as an ultra runner yet. I'm still just trying everything and look seeing what's. What suits me, Uh, and I think this Corona thing. Of course, it's I was supposed to run the TDS again, and I hope to finish like top two. And there were some other races going on that I had really like that I had hoped to run. Uh, But I think probably all this is going to wait till till next year, and then hopefully in a couple of years, I think I will start to run longer races, like maybe multi-stage races or. Like uh, races that is uh, more like 200 miles or something because I think my my strength in the future will be in in the longer races. Uh, 100 miles is a little bit too fast for me still I think.
1: Um, well, as Maggie Gooderall mentioned on Facebook the other day, you you've turned into a real badass ultra runner. Um, a lot of people knew that anyway. I think the rest of the world <laughs> is just finding that out. It's been amazing to see the growth. I love diving into. Uh, your character today and and then unpacking that growth in such a short period of time so it's going to be really exciting to see what happens in the next couple of years so I wish you all the luck and if it sounds like the backyard ultra in Sweden is the place to be
0: yeah it's really popular in Sweden they are just exploding everywhere so it's uh, yeah, it's it's kind of interesting to see Brilliant. and uh, it's been an honor to to have a chat with you as well. <laughs>
1: I'm sorry. Oh, I, I'm sorry. Nice. I, I stole so much of your time, though. That was. I just. I come on. To, I actually done about twenty minutes prep before I come on. I just talk that much, and I done a sound check with a friend of mine, um, Sean Nickel, and he's a great backyarder as well. Um, and I said to him, you know, if I could run as well as I could talk, I would be an <laughs> excellent runner. <laughs> Anna, thanks very There's much.
0: Seems to be a good runner anyway. So it's
1: <laughs> Thanks very much. I really appreciate your time. Sorry if I held you up too long, but. It was well worth it.
0: It's been a pleasure. Thank you.
1: So you heard it here, folks. Swedish backyard ultra extreme. I think it would be epic under the Northern Lights. Hope you enjoyed Anna's story. There are other podcasts and interviews out there which break down the quarantine backyard. So I did my best to navigate around the event and focus more on the runner. We seem to have plenty of time on our hands, so keep an eye out for the next episode with Fiona Oakes, a 238 marathoner who co-founded the Vegan Runners. And incredibly, she has no kneecap an absolute epic episode which defies all beliefs so until next week stay safe and keep on moving